Welcome to the BizTimes MKE Podcast. I'm BizTimes Associate Editor, Arthur Thomas. I'm joined today by Marie Moody, the founder of Oak Creek-based pet food maker, Stella & Chewy's. Marie, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Arthur. Nice to be here. Thank you. Uh, I wanted to start here. Uh, maybe for those that don't know, um, you know what Stella & Chewy's is, what you guys are all about, maybe you're going to give us a little sense of, of what it is, the, the, the food that you guys make for pets. Sure, sure. Well, it started, um, I founded the company about 17 years ago, um, actually in New York. And I, it was because I had adopted two dogs. One was an older dog, um, an adult dog, um, Chewy, actually. And he had a compromised immune system. So I, I was doing a lot of research about pet food. And I kept kind of, this was before the internet, by the way. Um, so I had to do it from books. Um, but it kept coming up to the same thing, which is, you know, dogs, even though we've domesticated them, they are still really, uh, their digestive systems and everything is still like 99% similar to wolves. And they really need to eat a certain way. Um, basically it needs to be a uh, high meat, you know, and, and bone and, you know, organ meats. It, it, it's meant to be raw ideally. And so that's how the company really started is it's based on a raw diet and it simulates how they would eat in the wild. Um, so, but we've grown into other things since then because a lot of people, well, some people are interested in raw, but some people want to feed wet food or uh, kibble. So what we've tried to do across all the categories is create uh, like the most highest quality with the highest meat. And then we incorporate um, some freeze dried, even in the kibble, the freeze dried is a uh, raw. So yeah, that's how that's, so now we've got, I don't know how many SKUs. A lot. <laughs> so kind of taking that, th those principles that were at the founding and kind of applying that across the, um, the different categories. Yes. Because if you think about the pet food, like, you know, industry as a pie, um, like maybe 5% of it is uh, raw foods. And then the other 95% uh, people want to feed more like a kibble or a, mm. a wet food. Certainly. So to appeal to all those people and then hopefully bring them over to the raw side eventually. Gotcha. Uh, so you guys have been growing. Um, I think there was plans that, that uh, Oak Creek considered, um, I think it was 140,000 square foot addition. It talked about adding, you know, maybe a, more than hundred jobs over the next few years. And that was after another one recently. So what's, you know, what's fueling the recent growth uh, for the company and the need for more space? Well, um, I think with any brand, if you're not growing, you're dying. So um, we've been, um, we've been, I don't want to say lucky, um, fortunate. Um, uh, we've created good foods that people, you know, we've, we've grown a lot since the inception when it was six stores and myself delivering food in a minivan. <laughs> so now I guess driving the growth would be there's the pet parents of today um, are more sophisticated than um, any others um, to date. I think there it has to do with there's um, so much information available to people on the internet. And I think that people do a lot of research now in terms of how they want to feed their pets. And if you think about even the transition with pets from being out in our backyards, you know, like in maybe our parents' day, I don't know how old you are, Arthur, you look younger than me, but um, to then coming inside the house to now, you know, their family members and they're in people's beds. 
And um, so they really are family members. You know, the, you don't call them pets anymore. They're fur babies. And um, I think a lot of people, younger people are waiting to have children, you know, until they're a little older and then empty nesters. And just in general, I think that people love their pets and that um, has coincided with a sort of humanization of pets trend um, that's kind of, I don't know, maybe it's like 20 years old, but it oftentimes what you see is that things that are prominent in people food trickle down to pet foods. So for example, fresh food and the importance of organic fruits and vegetables and things like that. So it's, it's an interesting industry and um, it's really, it's evolved a lot since um, I started. Yeah, that was one of my questions about, you know, how has the market and the kind of the consumer changed? Um, you, you mentioned the consumer. I mean, is it, is it also a more competitive space before? I mean, you oh started God. with, you know, not having really necessarily competition because you couldn't find what you needed. Um, right. I'm guessing now it's a little more of a, a competitive landscape. It's so different now. I'm really happy that I started 17 years ago and not today. I think that one of the differences is that um, pet food just started to get a lot of attention as sort of like um, an industry. And so there was a lot of uh, private equity money and things like that that came into it. So people are much more uh, well capitalized nowadays, which is great. I mean, for a lot of reasons, but it's it's harder to be a small guy now, but there always will be. There always will be people starting and, and you know, new trends and things like that. But um, I would say that yeah, that's that's really what's changed it is there's um, just more attention paid to pet food. Mm-hmm. Are, is Stella and Chewy's, I mean, where do you guys fit in the market? Are you on the smaller side? Or are you um, well, the dominant player? Where do you guys fit in? I guess it depends on who you compare us to. Um, do you know if you compare us to a Nestle or a Mars, um, we would be on the smaller side. But in terms of um, where we compete in neighborhood pet, um, we're actually the, well, I just heard this on a board meeting the other day. We are now the second, um, the second largest uh, manufacturer brand in independent pet. So there's one ahead of us whom I will not mention, um, <laughs> but they've been around for like over a hundred years. Mm. And um, so we're doing, we're doing really well in our, you know, in our segment. Um, and we do really pretty well online as well. So I would say, I don't know. I, I never know how that breaks down small, medium, large, mm-hmm. um, bigger than it was. <laughs> yeah, certainly. How do you go about, um, standing out. And like you were saying, it's become way more competitive, way more attention gets paid to it. People are way more choosy about what they feed their pets. How do you go about standing out in that uh, market? I think that you have to be authentic and uh, people use that word. And I really hate it actually. I mean, the words I'm going to use right now, you're going to say like, like, like everybody says that, but there is some truth to it. I think that people look for authenticity and some transparency I think there's a lot of um, mystery or in the past anyway, there's been a lot of sort of mystery around the pet food industry. Like, where is it made? What really is it? And um, now I think uh, people ask more questions and it's just, you have to be, you have to give people what they want. Hence why we started uh, the kibble and the wet food, but at the same time, um, staying true to, you know, our core values, um, I would say that. Yeah. 
Okay. Um, you are doing programs, uh, you do, you know, this month, um, November, you're doing reimbursing some senior pet adoption fees. Um, you donate lots of meals to shelters. I have a partnership with Alex Morgan, the U.S. Women's National Soccer um, star. Mm-hmm. Um, it, you know, what, why, why do those things? Why are they important? I mean, is it just a matter of pushing the, the name of the company out there? Is it the right thing to do? Why do those things? Well, it's the right thing to do. I think, um, you know, Stella and Chewy were rescue dogs. And what we find in the um, shelters is that it's oftentimes, you know, people go for the puppies and it's the older dogs that are sort of left behind. It's um, probably akin to dating after 50. (laughs) Anyway, um, but they've got a lot of life and love left and, you know, to give. And I think what we wanted to do really is just bring attention to it that um, not to overlook these these guys that, um, you know, there's great benefits to getting a dog that's, you know, a couple years older. Uh, For example, you know what size they're going to be, you know, their temperament, they're usually housebroken, you know, so it's like, there are a lot of advantages, and they're really grateful to be Mm -hmm. be adopted. And um, they usually have a lot of life and and love left to give. So I think that um, I think it started out, we I wanted to do something to give back to rescue. and to dogs that are a little less fortunate and maybe don't have, you know, sort of uh, fur parents, pet parents, whatever they're called now, <laughs> that, um, you know, are, are looking after them. And so I wanted to do something to give back. And we found that this was sort of a part of the um, shelter system niche thing where there wasn't a lot of attention being paid. So we decided to really kind of take this up as our cause. Sure. Um when you're picking someone to partner with, you know, choosing Alex Morgan, I mean, what makes her the right person when you're thinking about, you know, who do you want to attach your name to? Whose name do you want to attach to you? What kind of considerations are you going through in terms of what makes that the right fit? Um, well, she was a natural fit for us uh, because she is also really into rescues. Um, she's got two rescue dogs herself. And she was using the product already. So um, I think we look for people that, you know, sort of um, represent perhaps maybe different demographics. Like she would uh, represent, I guess, millennials. And, you know, there's a lot of um, younger people getting pets now, you know, people in their 20s. And, and I'm not sure how old Alex is, but I would imagine that she appeals uh, to that age group a lot. And it's very exciting to see what women's soccer has done. You know, it's, it's like one of the first sports, I think that, that a lot of people recognize the players' names. And um, I'm really thrilled to support that, um, you know, as another woman even. And, and I guess she's just kind of cool. <laughs> Certainly. Um, kind of looking back at the, the journey for the company, you know, you stepped away from the, the CEO role, mm-hmm. um, you know, several years ago now, I'm curious, what was the process, you know, figuring out after you kind of, okay, I'm not on the day-to-day running it in that way anymore. You've got mm-hmm. someone else taking care of that kind of the process for figuring out, you know, how am I going to be involved? What should my role be? What do I need to do? Um, even, you know, to the extent of, you know, when you're the founder, you know, your voice carries a certain weight. If you speak up on something that the CEO maybe want to do something different, I guess, navigating that, um, that, that transition and figuring out, you know, how to be involved. 
I think I'm still figuring it out. Um, <laughs> I think it's a sort of a, a really an, it's a process. And um, one of the great things about um, getting bigger is that you can attract better talent. And um, that's been really exciting to me. Probably one of my most favorite things about growing this company is that, um, you know, there are people that are really good CEOs or CFOs or even CMOs or salespeople. And, you know, now, for example, when I'm in a um, board meeting and, you know, there's like a bunch of people sitting around a conference table, like nothing makes me happier than to feel like everybody there is smarter than me you know, which they're not, by the way, but, <laughs> um, but, the, you know, to be interacting with people um, of a certain, you know, like, they bring so much to the business. I, I compare it to, um, like, if you had to push a boulder up a hill by yourself, that's kind of like what growing a brand is. And then as you get bigger, and there's more momentum, you get other people to come and help. So I actually never felt like, um, it was um, stepping down. Um, it was more like, um, I think it was more like giving room to. Um, and I think that, you know, sometimes for founders, it's difficult to give up some of that. Um, but I, for whatever reason, I delegate everything. I, <laughs> I, I don't mind. I, I'm somebody that like, I like to have, um, I like to have the help and the support and everybody brings different things to the table. So for example, uh, right now I would say the thing that I'm more involved in really is like strategy and guiding, um, you know, the brand architecture and marketing. And um, that's not something that, you know, that skill set doesn't, that's not the same skill set as a CEO has um, or a CFO. Um, I would never want to be either one of those things. <laughs> and I'm really um, happy. And I think it's um, sort of a luxury to be able to get to a point where you can choose the things that are really in your wheelhouse that you're the best at and delegate the rest to people that, um, that are good at that. Because mm -hmm. you, you can't grow a brand by yourself. That's for, for sure, for certain. You need a lot of people, uh, salespeople, I mean, stores. I mean, the, that you just need so many people to believe in um, a brand and in, to believe in what you're trying to accomplish. And so I always feel like it's people coming to like play on my team and it's, it's exciting. Uh, what, just in terms of finding, you know, that ability to delegate things, I mean, it, it helps if it's kind of nat your natural, you know, style that it's easier for you to delegate. You know, some people have that, that challenge of, you know, they, they want to hold on to things. They, they, they either fear delegating or, or, you know, it's just not in their nature. Mm -hmm. Is there anything that I guess advice almost that, that you would point to of, of how to do it better, how to, how to let things go? Mm -hmm. um, how do I know this? Nope. This isn't in my wheelhouse. I need mm -hmm. to turn it over to the team. Mm-hmm. I think it's a question of having, um, I think it's two things. I think the first thing would be, you know, as a founder, um, you know, you sort of, it's like the business becomes not a baby or a child, but almost, it's almost like that. I, I it's actually, yeah, it's almost like that. So like you really want what's best for it. 
and you love your, you know, you love this thing. And, and so for me, I think that because I love this business so much and it means so much to me and I believe in it so much, the only thing I would want to do is bring um, the best people for each specific role to the table. I, I do, I do know what you're asking though. I mean, and I know that um, that can be the case. Um, and I don't want to say it's more of a male thing, but um, cause I don't want to go on record as saying mm-hmm. that, but you know, maybe I think that, <laughs> um, you know, I think that uh, women, um, they might work a little differently. I don't know that we are as concerned with a, you know, hierarchy of, um, you know, I had never even heard of an org chart when, um, you know, I was starting. I, I didn't like, who cares? I mean, do you, I mean, I understand it now. I do. I mean, the more mm-hmm. people you have, it's like, it, it's important that people know, you know, who they report to, who's on their team, et cetera, et cetera. But, um, that's kind of militaristic really in a lot of ways. And, and, you know, even looking at what's happened over this uh, pandemic where people have found that they can get a lot accomplished from home. We don't have to sit in an office. We don't have to, you know, be in a cubicle to, to do our jobs. I mean, you know, we get to have some flexibility. You get to take time off and go for a run or if your, your son or your daughter is sick or, you know, whatever it is. And I think that people are a lot happier like that. And I think that there's going to be, um, even when this pandemic ends, which hopefully will be soon, (laughs) um, I think that, you know, we'll take some of these lessons from it. And I would say actually that the way we work is changing. And I think it's changing for the better. And I think it will continue to change. So um, with that, I think to be more collaborative instead of um, militaristic, um, is, is, is a good thing, which isn't to say that you don't need somebody that, you know, the buck stops there and that they're in charge and, you know, but really the CEO follows, you know, follows what the board lays out. So it's sort of, you know, it's, 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 it's a tough job. It's Mm -hmm. a really tough job. And, um, my advice would be, uh, I think it takes love and I think it takes a certain amount of confidence. You know, you have to love your business and you have to have confidence um, both in yourself and in the decisions you're making and the people you're hiring and also in the people. And, you know, definitely there have been times where I've had to like step back and I, you know, it's been harder because I know something could be done in a different way and I might think it should go a certain way. And I have to, you know, I have to step back and say, okay, let, let me let this person run with this. And if it's a mistake, we'll figure it out. And um, guess what? A lot of times it's not, um, Mm -hmm. you know, so that's kind of my experience with it. Yeah. Trusting the people you've, you've put in place. And like you're saying, you know, you're in those meetings and you say, wow, these, you know, I've hired a lot of smart people and you can see it. And then just trusting them to, to execute, you know, what they see as best because, you know, they do have the experience and expertise that you hired them for. Right, exactly. And, um, you know, it's fine to disagree. And it's fine to, to, um, it's fine to disagree and, and, and hammer it out as well. Um, that's actually really fun. That's a fun part of this, I think. Um, as if you respect the people that you're working with. Um, I think that's a big piece of it. Sure. Um, I guess last thing, just kind of, you know, looking back, you know, 17 years ago, did you kind of, I'm sure this wasn't in the, the initial vision of it, you were trying to solve the 
the immediate problem of what, um, of what Chewy needed. Um, yeah. You know, I guess key lessons learned over the last, you know, um, 17 or so years and you know, anything you do differently or advice maybe for other entrepreneurs. Hmm. Well, everybody's journey is their journey, I guess. I, I, I wouldn't wish my journey on anybody. <laughs> I started because I was fired from yet another job in the fashion industry because I didn't care about it. And um, I cared about my dogs and I wanted to do something that involved them. And when I started it, I mean, I really, you know, my first concept was I, I imagined it like a deli, maybe in um, a pet food store. Like I, I didn't know the industry and um, I, I really you know, I had never been in a meat plant, for example. I didn't know what a patty maker was, um, you know, or a freeze dryer or any of that. Um, so it's been it's been a process of acquiring the knowledge along the way. Um, so things I would do differently. Um, gosh, you know, I don't want to say. I'm really happy with actually where it's ended up and where it's going. Um, maybe, uh, what would I have done differently? Uh, I might've stayed in Wisconsin a little longer, maybe. Um, I don't know. I, I left when my son was six and, um, you know, sort of have been, so I've been remote for a while. I mean, and then I travel back, of course, a lot mm -hmm. to Wisconsin cause that's where I'm from. But, um, I don't know. I can't, I'm trying to think of something I would do differently. I mean, maybe, maybe it would have been more ideal for sure to start this um, when I had an income, you know, and I think I would have um, tried to raise a little more money right from the beginning, but in my defense, I really didn't, I didn't picture it, you know, like how it was going to go. And so, you know, I, um, my first loan was, um, an S when, when I got an SBA loan for like a million dollars when I wanted to build the plant in, or, you know, in Wisconsin, in um, the first one was actually in Muskego. It was 13,000 square feet. And I remember walking into it and thinking like, there's no way we're going to ever fill this whole thing up. <laughs> and, you know, and a million dollars seemed like so much money. Right. And, um, but a freeze dryer is 500,000. And then the, you know, the patty line and the, this and the, that. And so suddenly, um, you know, I was getting distributors and national distribution, but I didn't realize like, oh no, that's just the beginning of it. I would tell the bank, no, I've just got this A-level distributor. Everything's going to be great. And they'd be like, well, you know, Marie, um, you know, you're, it's still not making money. And um, I think that I, that's something I would maybe do differently. I would go back. And if I could talk to myself in those years, I would say, it's okay. This is what it looks like when a brand is growing. Um, it requires a lot of money and it doesn't mean that you're failing. It actually growth requires capital. And um, I didn't realize that at the time, mm -hmm. you know, my, my goal when I started the whole thing was to be able to create something that other people would want to feed their dogs and pay my rent. And, and mm -hmm. it was, it was very modest. <laughs> so. and look where we ended up now. Um, yeah. The, the growth plans. So, you know, it, it works out uh, in the long run. 
I think it works out if it's something like, especially if you're passionate about it and something that you love. Like I said, it's sort of like at this point, if I were to compare the business to a child, I would say, all right, you know, they just got into Ivy League school or, you know, and, and, you know, like there's a bright future and, you know, yeah, I don't, I don't get to go to all their classes, right? Mm -hmm. um, I, there are smarter people to teach them, um, but it's still, it's still mine, you know? And mm -hmm. I still want what's best for this entity. All right. Certainly. Well, Marie, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me today. Um, I appreciate it. And sure. uh, we'll look forward to watching Stella and Chewy's continue to grow. Okay, great. Thanks for having me. This is Dan Meyer with BizTimes Media. You've been listening to the BizTimes MKE podcast. For more business news and insights, be sure to go to biztimes.com and subscribe to any of our daily e-newsletters and our magazine, BizTimes Milwaukee.